Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, it's me, Christelle Lim, co-founder and CMO of Bumo. As a busy working parent myself, I felt like there was a lack of options for parents and I personally needed more support. So that's what we're doing here on Being Bumo. We're here to make your life easier, a little less stressful, and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. So subscribe now to Being Bumo at applepodcast.com slash beingbumo or wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, gotta go. See you guys soon. Hey, everybody, and welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Welcome back to RealPod, everyone. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. I literally cannot believe that Thanksgiving is over and we are now into December. And then the new year is like four weeks away. It is flying by. I cannot believe it. There's so much going on around the holidays. And actually, we're going to dive into that today. So I will stop it right there and introduce our amazing guest. I am thrilled to share today's episode with you all because it's a very heartfelt conversation with an uber special guest and former star of Glee, Becca Tobin. Yes, you heard that right. She played Kitty Wilde on Glee alongside Leah Michelle and Jane Lynch. She was formerly on Broadway. She's an absolute star, a total triple threat. She is now one third of hit podcast and New York Times best-selling girl group, The Lady Gang. I had the honor of meeting Becca when I was an intern for other Lady Ganger, Kelty Knight, many years ago. And to have her on the podcast today was so exciting for me. I mean, confession, I personally have a total girl crush on Becca. I just think she is so freaking cool in all of the ways. And I told her this, and I'm just so grateful that she was willing to sit down and get real with us today about her career, inner work, but also her experience with loss and with grief. In 2014, Becca's boyfriend passed away suddenly. And today she is opening up about that experience in hopes of helping those of us who may be going through something similar, especially during the holidays. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to Erin, who left a five-star review last week, said, Victoria, I just want to say I freaking love RealPod. You have helped me so much this year in my self-love and growth. And last week's episode with Natalie had me smiling on my walk and it made me so happy for y'all's friendship. Loved hearing from you both and thank you for your work in this community. Erin, thank you so much for leaving this review. I want you to know I screenshotted it and I sent it to Natalie because I just thought it was the cutest thing. 
to say. And I'm so happy you enjoyed that episode. If you guys missed my episode with my best friend, Natalie, that came out recently. So definitely give it a listen. Don't forget to subscribe to this episode wherever you listen to podcasts so that you can get that automatic download every single Wednesday when I bring you a brand new episode of RealPod. You can follow us on Instagram at RealPod and subscribe wherever you stream. Without further ado, let's dive into this episode with special guest, Becca Tobin. Becca, hello. Welcome to Real Pod. I am so excited to have you here. So thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I am such a big fan of you since before your big fame and after your big fame. I'm just very, I hate saying proud of you because that seems so condescending. No, I appreciate it. And your whole story is just really cool. And there's been so many different times in your life where like you've transitioned and Mm -hmm. you've pivoted. And obviously this all started in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. how would you track back like your big break? Oh gosh. I feel like my life has been a lot of little breaks along the way. So I graduated high school and my goal was to go to Broadway. I was a musical theater nerd. I would sing, you know, Thoroughly Modern Millie soundtrack in my car at the top of my lungs. And I went to New York City for a conservatory program for musical theater for two years. And then my big break was really when I got my first Broadway show. I was 23. And that was, to me, to this day, the, the news that I heard was the most, it was the most exciting news I've ever heard in my life. So I'm 23 and I call my parents, I'm going to Broadway. But then um, after a couple of years, I did get on the show Glee. And it wasn't because I had always wanted to be on TV or move to Hollywood. It was because they were just genuinely looking for somebody who could sing, dance, and act. And I was right for the role. And in a week, I moved from New York to LA and was driving onto the Paramount lot to shoot a you know hit show for Fox. That was a pretty big break, but I think <laughs> it was so big and so unexpected and so unintended. Like I, I just couldn't even really digest it. I just got chills. So how does that even happen? Like who calls who and what happens with the audition? Well, the show had been on for a couple seasons already. And I had an agent in New York who was primarily for dancing. And she's the person, her name is Lucille and she's the most magical woman ever. But she represented me during my Broadway time. And when Ryan Murphy was looking, who created Glee, was looking to bring in these new roles for the new season of Glee, he really wanted to see New Yorkers. He really liked that a lot of those original cast members like Matthew Morrison and Leah Michelle, they came from that musical theater background. I think he liked the work ethic that came with that. I think that they liked that it was an actual triple threat that came with that. Not to say the other people weren't incredible in their own right, but they just went out to casting directors in New York and they had like this one guy, Jim Carnahan in New York City, who's a big theater casting director. He partnered up with one of the LA directors and they just said, hey, cast a wide net. Let's see girls to play. My role was Kitty Wild, And it was this like bitchy cheerleader. And they went out to all the agents and they said, do you have any girls right now who live in New York who can sing, dance and act who would be good for this role? So my agent submitted me out of God knows how many girls. And I remember going in for this audition and I had auditioned for a few TV things. Like I had gone in for a soap opera at one time, but that was never my goal. I I never thought TV or film was even possible because it just seemed so far away and so 
insane to think that I could actually get that type of job. So theater was really where my heart was and where I was driven. I do the audition and it just leads to more callbacks and it leads to flying out to LA and it leads to a screen test. And then it leads to the phone call that I got the job. And it was just like, what, how it was right place, right time. But it was also, I had worked, you know, my ass off for however many years training as singing and dancing and acting and auditioning. So I don't know. It was a little bit of everything. And is it true that you were the only person who booked a role that day? Yes. How did you know this? <laughs> I found it doing my deep dive pre-interview oh stock. God, that's really <laughs> impressive. So they did audition. I think there were six girls that day and there were each of us were going, we each were seen for two roles for Kitty Wilde and for Marley, the role that Melissa Benoist eventually got. And there were six of us there and they were going to cast two of us, one for each of the roles. I found out later that they didn't actually cast Marley and they kept searching and kept searching. And then I bumped into Melissa on the Paramount lot, one of my first days of working. And I had kind of recognized her from other auditions and she was like, I'm having to go in. And she had to go through the ringer because Marley was a bigger bigger role. It was like the second coming of Rachel Berry, right? Yeah. Her first episode was like Rachel 2.0 was the name of the episode. So I got to come in as a way more supporting role. Eventually my role got bigger, but I didn't have to come in with the weight of the world on my shoulders. Melissa had to come in. I don't know how she did it. She's obviously a beast. She's been Supergirl for the past six or seven years, but she's, she's made of, I don't even know, magic stardust because she was put through the ringer for that role over and over and over again. And they kept having her come back. And I think she's told this story, so I don't feel bad talking about it. But yeah, it took her a couple extra weeks to land the role. And I was so excited when she did. Now, when you get offered a role like this, I mean, anyone's just signing the contract mm -hmm. because you just want the role. I mean, <laughs> are there any negotiations could they, like, how many years did they get to sign you in for? That just interests me as a businesswoman. <laughs> it's very interesting because I had no idea when I was signing my contract. So when you're doing a screen test normally for a, a series regular role on a TV show, you're actually doing your contract before your final audition. So all six of the girls that day had already signed their contract. And then you're just waiting. If you get the job, then the network and the studio are going to execute the contract. So going into that audition or the screen test, I knew how much money I was going to make if I got the job. There wasn't much negotiation because I was a first-time TV person. Other tests that I've had since then, I've, always, I've obviously had more negotiating power with my attorney and there's a little bit more back and forth. But at that point, I had been doing theater and making like $2 an hour. Really, if you break down like the theater on Broadway, the people at the top of their game are really not making that much money if you look at it. So I was grateful to be given this opportunity. And to me, it seemed like an insane amount of money. In hindsight, it certainly was not. But it was just, I was like, what? They want to pay me? Sure. To be on TV? Sure. I would have done it for free. But that was a weird experience. But also what's weird is that you're signing your life away for not your life away, but essentially you're giving them permission to use you for what's standard is seven seasons. But what we had for Glee was a six episode guarantee as a recurring guest star. And then it was up to 
everyone else up top if they wanted to continue using us and continue us for the next season. So you're kind of always auditioning for your job. Every episode, you have to crush it because if you suck, they can just let you go. But if you crush it, you also have to know that they can also have you for seven seasons. So it's a really interesting, it's a little bit of a mind fuck. I feel like I would have such performance anxiety and I did have performance anxiety as a volleyball player, Mm -hmm. but I'm just, how could you even show up and feel comfortable in the scene and like you have to be confident? I mean, is there a mental game? Do you feel like, I mean, a bit of an athlete with the way you have to approach and prepare for what is game day? For sure. Well, first of all, I am no saint. I started to use beta blockers. They are essentially, they block your adrenaline. So when you're singing, if you're somebody who gets very nervous, and this has obviously been prescribed by an EMT and a doctor, that is a doctor, I'm an idiot. But my EMT, a lot of people who have to perform live and speak, you know, public speaking that get really nervous, you get short of breath and things you could do when you're not nervous, like notes you could hit when you weren't nervous were different from the notes you could hit when you're like, basically your whole life is on the line. I was very affected by that. So I started to take beta blockers for really big moments. And I'm very open about that because I am, I can self-sabotage very quickly. Like my mental game is not that strong. It's definitely improved. But using something like that is how I got over the hump. I think Kristen Bell actually talked about using them a couple times for like big moments. And then you you wean off of them because you've kind of proven to yourself that you're capable of doing it. But every day I would go into that show and I just, because I had done theater, live theater for so many years, I didn't even know you, you had the ability to screw up on camera and they would just reset and take do another take. So I just went in like it was a live show every single take. I would do take after take after take. And I was really, you know, I remember Kevin McHale made a comment one of my first times on set where they were giving me these crazy monologues of like really bitchy, witty things to say. And my character was like fast talking and sassy. And I would just, I would deliver them and deliver them over and over and over again. And this is not to say I'm better than anybody. It's just that my training was really great leading up to this. And Kevin McHale was like, oh my God, like you don't mess up or something along the lines of like being so impressed with what I was doing. And I just felt like, well, isn't this what everybody's supposed to do? You're getting paid so much money. Aren't you supposed to show up and hit your mark and say your lines? Isn't that the bare minimum? But I found out later that is not. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah. It's like, you know, bloop, they create a blooper reel. And that's like, you know, you forget about all that stuff. Yes. Quick pause to talk about today's sponsor, Poshmark. I am so hyped about this. Right now is the time of year where it is so tempting and fun to shop for new clothes. And look, whether you are cleaning out your closet, which I literally just did, or you are adding to your closet, downloading the Poshmark app is crucial. You can clean out your closet and sell all of those clothes and get real money for them. Like a lot of money, depending on what you sell. I love selling And then you can also shop on Poshmark to snag a bargain. By downloading the Poshmark app, you can find tons of lightly used or brand new items with tags. So they are fresh. You can find your favorite bags, shoes, accessories, and even brands like Lululemon for up to 70% off. With the easy to use Poshmark app, you can purchase items all from the comfort of your own home and have them shipped to you in no time. I have been dying for a new pair of just classic brown suede booties. 
now that it's winter, I just needed a new pair of booties, but I didn't want to commit to buying them at full price because I feel like in California, you know, I only wear them for like a month or two. So you know what I did? I logged onto my Poshmark app and I found so many cute pairs of suede booties, so many options. I ended up actually buying two pairs for the price of what it would have been for one of them all. You know what I'm saying? So it's a win-win. When they came, I was so pumped because they were in great condition and had been barely worn. As a listener of RealPod, you can get $10 off your very first purchase. So download that Poshmark app today and enter code RealPod when you sign up. That's code RealPod, R-E-A-L-P-O-D, and you can get $10 off your first purchase from Poshmark. That's invite code RealPod. You're going to look so cute. I am so excited that Ana Luisa sponsors RealPod because I am obsessed with their jewelry. The little hoops I wear every single day, they're like a two-hoop gold and a jeweled hoop, are from Ana Luisa, spelled A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. They are a sustainable and ethical jewelry company starting at just $39. And now RealPod listeners can get 60% off on a second item. You guys, I am so serious about this jewelry. It is so cute. It is dainty. It is elegant. It is chic. It is trendy. And I literally only exclusively wear Ana Luisa earrings at this point because that's how obsessed I am. With new jewelry collections being released every Friday, you are always going to be able to find something unique. And now, Real Pod listeners get 60% off a second item. You heard that right the first time. I had to say it again because it is such a deal. They have bracelets, they have necklaces, they have rings, they have earrings. It's great for you. It's a great gift for your friends. It's like that perfect gift for your best friend. You know, when you're shopping for your girlfriends this holiday season, please look no further than Ana Luisa. It's perfect. So if you want to find super cute jewelry at a super affordable price that is also sustainably and ethically made, I absolutely recommend checking out Ana Luisa. Head over to shop Ana Luisa, A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A dot com slash real pod, and you can get 60% off a second item. Once again, head over to shop.analuisa.com slash realpod to get 60% off a second item. You're going to look so cute and definitely tag us at RealPod in your Ana Luisa jewelry. So looking back on that experience, was it everything that you had wanted? And as it was ending, right, as you're nearing like the final season, are you thinking about what you want to do next? I did not want that to end. Like I was so sad and I think... It was just so bittersweet. I knew it was time and we all felt that it was time, but it was, it was like graduating college. It's when people talk about leaving college and I've had a lot of girls tell me they cried on their last day of college because it's just sad. It's sad. You're, it's your family. It's, it's your, what you're familiar with. And, and to me, that's the equivalent. Cause I went to a conservatory. I didn't live in a sorority house. I didn't get that experience, but Lee for me was like that. And I just sobbed. I was so sad to know that it was not going to be the same ever again. And I did have that perspective. Crazy enough, I didn't have to be told, you're not probably not going to experience this magic again. Since then, I've done a bunch of stuff, but nothing has been, that was magic in a bottle. That's a once in a lifetime experience. But I was also really excited to see what was next. But I'm, I'm the type of person where I don't believe that I'm going to be able to have something, I'm going to be able to land something great again. I always feel like the thing that I got was such a fluke and I'm getting better at it, but I still struggle with believing that the thing that got me that great thing in the first place was really just me working hard. I was going to ask, 
is that doubt related to your own self-worth or is it related to the external opportunity? I think it's a lot of self-doubt. I think that I have never been, I, I, I'm not a skeptic. I'm a little bit of this like realist skeptic mosh of a person. I'm not a Kelty who can manifest something and wholeheartedly believe that it's going to happen. I, I think that I have a lot of self-awareness, which would sound like I'm bragging, but when you're in the entertainment industry, it's actually quite a hindrance to have a really realistic grasp on how good you are. I knew that I was talented. I knew that I was not hideous in front of a camera. I knew, but I was always like, you're, where you line up and where you stack up, very realistically, it's very much in the middle. I'm very average with all of my abilities and all of my skills. And that's not me being humble. That's just me being really, like I'm, like I said, self-aware because I've been around spectacular. I've experienced those people. I've been around those sparkly people who on set, they just have that thing, that quality, that it factor. I've never felt that way about myself. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but it does sometimes get in the way of me feeling really super deserving of that next big job or when I'm in the room. Like I used to be better at this than I am now, but I am sort of like, I'm fine. I'd be a fine choice. I'll show up to work on time. I'll work really hard. I'll be very nice to everybody. I'll be like low maintenance, but I'm not going to knock your socks off. Like I'm a it's safe so choice. Interesting to hear someone verbalize that about themselves because I feel like there are pros and cons, right? The pro being, and I'm not saying I agree with you. I'm just speaking. Like if I think about sports, like there are some people that you, a coach might look at and just think you're never going to be it. Yeah. But then there are people who people think that about, right? Like that was me. And then I did, mm-hmm. you know, do the unthinkable. So I think in certain situations, it definitely is helpful because then you know your role. But then in others, it's like, if you were to have that oomph and that like, it's me, would you get something maybe you don't know that you could get? Of course, Kelty, actually you and Kelty are so similar in that way. And I want to circle back and ask you a question about this same thing. So please remind me. But Kelty says all the time, she says, if I could just take over your body for a day, or a week or whatever, you would be Jennifer fucking Lawrence. <laughs> She's like, you have no idea what I would be capable of if I could just take on who you are and, and walk into every room as you, but with me in your soul. Like <laughs> she, and she's absolutely right. And I do think there are those amazing, and Jennifer Lawrence is way more talented than I am. So she's an idiot. That's not true. But there are people who are taking over the world. They're conquering the entertainment industry and they aren't necessarily the greatest, most talented people on paper, but they have whatever that self, the belief in themselves is. And I envy that. I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think it's what you kind of need in this business to really get to where you ultimately want to be. And so my question for you is when you were interning with us or with Kelty at CBS, you said to us that this was what you wanted to do. Like you really kind of verbalized that you wanted to be a public person and you wanted to be, I I forget exactly like what. At the time, I think it was like a sports broadcaster. Yes. Whatever it was, I definitely was like, 
and I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember thinking you were so much like Kelty and being like, normally when people say stuff like that to me, I think good luck because there's a million other girls who are saying the same thing. Like, how are you going to do it? So how did you do it? I think you're amazing and you're wonderful. And I think you have everything that it takes to be doing what you're doing. But how did you like, did you get yourself there? Oh my gosh. That's, oh my gosh. Thank you. I think that's a great question. I feel selfish answering it on your show, but I I really want to know this. This is Um, for me. Well, like I said, I thought that I was going to be a sports broadcaster. I ended up getting down to, I came back down to earth and realized I just wanted to be Aaron Andrews and be hot on a sidelines. I didn't care about football. And so it was like all the wrong reasons. And then I went through my own, literally Kelty, my period working at Entertainment Tonight was like the last time I can remember being an old version of myself because I went into a big depression, got on meds, suicidal ideation, the whole animal as a college athlete. Cause like it was so much for me come my sophomore year. And then that's what really sent me to, through this. Like, why was my whole goal? Like looking pretty and like being famous, you know, it was all those superficial things. And then the long story very short is that I decided to speak out about my mental health issues. And it was almost like, I think I, I similar to the way that you've said, you've always been level-headed. I have just always been outgoing. I will raise my hand first. Everyone can think I'm annoying. Everyone can think I talk too much. I don't really care. That's who I am. And I know that I'm going to win more times than lose if if that's how I am in life. And so that same thing manifested itself in me when I realized that I was passionate about what was the stigma around mental health. And so then I just came at it with like, well, I talk about these things and I want people to wake up. And then that was so polarizing at the time that people grew interested in me. It wasn't thought out. However, once I did realize, oh, I'm getting lots of messages and DMs and people care about this. Yeah. Then my wheels start turning. Well, I can do more and I can start a YouTube channel and I have more to say. So it's cool for me because I feel like who I am as a person. And similar to the way you said, Kelty said she could take over your body. My best friend said to me on an episode a few weeks ago, that I could have been used for great evil or great good. And oh. she's so glad that like the light flipped in me. She's like, you would have been the girl selling skinny me teas, <laughs> telling everyone to look a certain way. And I'm so freaking happy that you flipped and you're using your power for good. <laughs> it's hilarious. I mean, it's a little bit of Kelty or a lot of, a lot of bit of Kelty in there. It's the same. I think That's you're powerful. Hilarious. You're powerful people. Well, I think you're powerful too. Like, and like I said in the beginning and not to sound so weird, but like, I just really think you're so freaking cool. And I think about, I, like this goes, I think about you oftentimes, like, I'm like, oh, Becca would probably, ha-. and I know I don't know you that well, but I'm like, she just, I just think you're rad. Like, and so I want you to know, you might not think that about yourself, but other people do. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate what you've been doing around mental health and like your generation. I'm such an old lady, but like your generation and what you've been able to do and how outspoken you've been and has enabled my generation to also open up. And because we have the support now of younger women, we don't have to worry about the women in our circles and then the women older than us who were kind of trained. And I'm one of those people who used to be this way, trained to keep all that stuff internal and with your inner circle and private and safe and behind closed doors. So 
being able to share our experiences in the lady gang, like I've been very open about my fertility struggles. I've been very open recently about my anxiety and having to be medicated. And that is really a product of you and people like you and your generation being able to be like, hey guys, it's cool now. Like this is cool now. It's not (laughs) cool anymore to pretend like everything's great and make other people feel like shit for feeling like shit by not being open about feeling like shit. So true. I never really thought about that connection, but we are just like that small generation apart where the tides really change. And I mean, you mentioned a few of the things you've been open about. And I just have to tell you, like I listened to the episode with Kelsey Chittick and I just thought that was everything. Like that is like one of my favorite episodes ever. And like, especially like I'm saying, I'm such a huge fan of you to hear you just be open about something that people don't talk about a lot. And I know you opened up about grief and loss for the first time too in the Lady Gang book. And I was curious, you know, what about now has made you feel okay in sharing? I think what made it feel okay was I had to get okay with myself first. So when you experience a big loss, you know, my boyfriend passed away in 2014 out of nowhere in his sleep. Something happened with his heart. It was something that we couldn't have, couldn't have really known was coming. So it was very shocking and it was super traumatic. And I had to get to the other side of that grief. And I'm somebody who didn't grow up with therapy. I didn't grow up with knowing you could take medication to, if you needed it. I did not, I was like a pick your bootstraps up kind of family. And that's an amazing way to grow up because you get through a shit ton of hard stuff. But then something happens in your life, like the loss of a loved one, where there is no option to just pick yourself up and move forward. You have to like walk through the shitty darkness of grief. And I didn't really know how to do that for so many years. I had an incredible grief counselor named Amira Braha, who essentially saved my life. She was able to walk me through really the hardest, hardest moment of my life to date and tell me it was going to be okay. And also... I didn't feel like this was this experience that only I was experiencing because through her and through reading and through people like Kelsey, you find out that other people are going through this. And it's really weird how in our culture and in our society, we are sort of like, let's put those sad people away in their place and let's not let them talk to each other. Let's not let them talk to people who are happy. Don't ruin the mood. Like they're going to go in their cave And when they're feeling better, they're going to emerge and they're going to be happy again. And everyone's going to be waiting for them to be happy again and join society. So that to me was such a fucked up way to look at grief. And I realized that's what I was doing for, for probably two years. I was in my little cave and I was going through the hard stuff and I wasn't connecting with anyone other than people who were hurting. But then as soon as I started to sort of like dip my toe in and make a few comments here and there, whether it was on the podcast or to friends or to family members, I found that I'm the type of person that if there's an uncomfortable thing in a room, I'm going to, I want to talk about the elephant in the room. I don't want to pretend it's not there. Let's fucking talk about it. Let's all just like strip it down and, and like, cause otherwise it's uncomfortable and it's awkward and we're not being real. So I was like, I've been able to do this my whole life with everything else. I asked my sister's boyfriend, 
who like came home from college with her if he took her her V card, like at a dinner with my parents. Like I'm that person. So I was like, why can't I do this with grief? Why can't I talk about how fucked up it is to spend the first Christmas after your boyfriend dies, you know, four months later, it's Christmas time and you have to be happy. Like, why can't I talk about how I hate Christmas? I fucking hated Christmas for years after that. And that's the reason. So this is such a long-winded thing, but I think it's something that I am so passionate about. As soon as I started to dip my toe in and see that even if it shocked people, the people that were shocked are not the people that I'm doing it for. It's the people who are feeling the exact same way that I'm feeling, who after I opened up about that, I posted something about the holidays and how it depresses the fuck out of me. And I had all these women reach out and say, for whatever reason, the holidays were wrapped up in a lot of sadness and a lot of darkness and a lot of depression and seeing all these other things and people being happy just makes them feel worse. So thank you so much for putting that out there. So that's really why it's kind of like you where it's, you started to receive all this, all this information from other people and all this feedback that was, I'm in a position where I can actually look someone in the eye and say, I know how you're feeling. And I'm going to be the voice that you need me to be right now. And I'm going to make it okay for you to be more open. I'm going to make it so that society doesn't shudder every time a woman says she's depressed, you know? And, and so it's really just for that reason. I wanted something like that when I was going through it and I didn't find it. And I had said to Kelsey, I was like, I wish you had gone through what you went through before I did. Like she wrote this beautiful book called Second Half and that didn't exist when I was going through what I was going through. And not only, like you said, are there these people who are grieving who are struggling to understand like how they're supposed to grieve and feeling like they have to suppress it, but other people like around, like, I'm listening to that episode because I'm so interested on how someone is really feeling who goes through that. Because when that happens in life and you're on the outskirts, you don't know what to, no one knows knows. what to say, what to do. And so then, you know what they do is they just ignore it and they just pretend it's, it's fine. And I think something that you said that really hit was how you were at a dinner and you felt like it was that elephant in the room. And I think you said, you said someone did or didn't, but just grab your hand and say like, how are you feeling? Because you felt like people didn't want to open it up for you. Or maybe this is her night out and she wants to forget about it. And you're saying, I'm never going to forget about it. There's not a night out. I'm not thinking about it. And so I think conversations like the ones you're having and, and with Kelsey and whatnot are helping other people understand how we can better be there for those who are grieving. For sure. And that was something that I had to get a little bit more empathetic about because you're the one going through the, the loss and you're the one experiencing the grief. And it's a very selfish place to be in, rightfully so. But I wasn't able to understand how challenging that was for the people who loved me. And so I've been learning that we have to also teach people that too. And that was the sort of thing. So, you know, Kelsey and I had so many experiences after our loved one passed away where people just felt like if they brought it up, it would ruin our happy moment or our, like you said, your, our night off or whatever it is. And, and just know that no matter what, you're not going to ruin a moment. The r- moment is ruined. Temporarily, <laughs> life is ruined for, for the most part for that person. So just an, ex- an acknowledgement it feels so nice to just get and to not expect an answer or to not even expect a response. But I have a friend who continuously, she still to this day, texts me on 
my late boyfriend's birthday and the day that he passed away every single year. And she just messages me. I love you. I'm thinking about you. And if it's a day that I'm like, you know what? Today's really hard and it shouldn't feel hard. It's been five years. She's opened up that opportunity for me to say, this is a really fucked up feeling and I'm sad. And then she's there for me. But some years I'm okay and I'm out and I'm enjoying whatever it is that I'm doing and I'm still thinking about him. But that text is like lovely. And I know that I don't have to respond other than a heart. But that's the kind of thing that people, we forget to do for people because we're afraid of rocking the boat. So, you know, I had friends just drop things off. That was so amazing. Just little things out of nowhere. Kelsey had a, a friend in the neighborhood who wasn't even a close friend who brought her coffee every single morning for like a year to her front porch. She just brought her a coffee every morning. That sort of thing is so amazing and it's so powerful. And for those listening, Kelsey lost her husband and the father of her children after getting married. And so just to give context there for that story, but amazing episode for anyone who wants to go check that out on Lady Gang. For anyone who might be experiencing grief, and this isn't a topic I've been able to dive into on RealPod, on the same note, right? Like that's what we do on this show is we pull back the curtain and we dive deep. But even grief feels like that thing that is tough. Unless you find an advocate who is like, literally their whole brand is talking about loss. It's very, it does feel sensitive. You don't want to pry. You don't want to feel like you're exploiting people. So that said, I've never had someone be able to speak to this and be comfortable. So thank you for that. And for those listening who have lost a loved one are going through something, do you have anything that might help them? And I know that it's not like a magic word, but no, I'm sure I- that anything could be valuable. It's different for everyone. You know, I, I had an incredible grief counselor, but obviously that's, that's not always a resource that everyone has. I actually recently listened to Chelsea Handler's audiobook of Life Will Be the Death of Me and You Too. She talks a lot about loss. Her brother passed away when she was 10 years old. So that book really surprisingly was very healing if you've lost somebody. It's super powerful, but it's also very real because she can do it no other way. You know, she's so amazing with having levity. And I read a book called Many Lives, Many Masters after Matt passed away. And it was just this beautiful book about reincarnation, essentially like past lives. And you don't have to be so into that or believe that or whatever, but it, you know what, it gave me solace in knowing to me, this is not it. This is not everything. This is not the end. This is not, they're not completely gone. Those people, there's a lot more now, which is crazy than in 2014 when I was experiencing it. So that I am grateful for. There's a lot of books called there's signs, which is really cool. It's about like little things in your life and the signs and what they mean. It could be like messages from people who have passed. I like that kind of stuff, but religion, if you're a religious person, a lot of the time people get very much more invested into their religion or their beliefs when they are at a loss. Cause it's like, you want answers, you want things to make sense. And I totally understand that too, but it's hard. And you can also just chain smoke cigarettes for a month straight. Like I did and speak to no one. And that's okay too. Like you don't always have to be on this crazy productive course. Right. I, I love that. And I, that was something I thought about the other day. You don't always have to be in pursuit of your best self. No. Like sometimes you're just going to feel like shit, be like shit. You're not going to be awesome. And you could sit there and you could live there for however long you need. I'm so glad you're saying that because I've been really fatigued by that, by that 
that pursuit of being your best self. Listen, I'm stoked we're all trying to be better versions of ourselves, but sometimes that brings up a lot of guilt in me in the days that I'm not my best self. I'm like, do I need one more reason to beat myself up? Do I need one more reason to feel badly about myself because I wasn't doing something that was going to better myself? I didn't journal today. I didn't meditate. I love that it's okay to just be. Like, just be. It's okay. By now, you've probably seen about a thousand gift guides for the holiday season, gifts for family, friends, significant others. And if your time is limited like mine, then you should just skip sifting through all of those guides and just start shopping at Raycon and get everyone a gift that they will use, the Raycon wireless earbuds. You guys know I love the Raycon wireless earbuds. They've been a sponsor of RealPod for a while. They are so comfortable in my ear. And my favorite thing about these earbuds is their battery life. You can keep listening for hours. You have eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. They have seamless Bluetooth pairing. They're comfortable and have a noise-isolating fit. There are also three new sound profiles to make sure everything you're listening to sounds its absolute best with just the right amount of bass. We love some bass. And a built-in microphone so you can take calls on your earbuds at the press of a button. I love doing that. I go on walks in my neighborhood with my earbuds in and I can take calls with my friends. It's the best. They are available in five stylish colors, so you can pick the perfect one for everyone on your list. I went with the classic white, but I do think you can have fun with it for sure. There are free shippings and returns, which makes this gift easier than ever. I literally hate it when someone gives you a gift that you can't return or exchange. So I love that if you give this gift, you're giving that person an option. So this holiday season, get them something they can use for calls, for music, for work, or play at home, on the go, or pick up a pair for yourself because trust me, you will want to use them every single day. Now is the time to knock out that gift list and avoid last minute shipping scrambles. And right now you can use my code to get 15% off site wide with code holiday at buyraycon.com slash realpod. So go to buy, B-U-Y, Raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash realpod and use code holiday in all caps to get 15% off your entire Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash realpod for 15% off today. Something I want to quickly touch back on is, so the humorous moment where you said the moment has already been ruined. (laughs) And then now, obviously thinking about a beautiful life that it seems you do live with Mm -hmm. an amazing husband. Mm -hmm. For anyone who's experienced something similar to the loss that you did, what was it like on that journey of falling in love with someone else and realizing you maybe had that second soulmate? You know, it, it's so, life is crazy, obviously. I will say it's, 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 parts of it are really challenging after losing a loved one and after losing, you know, somebody who you thought you were going to spend your life with. There were parts that were really shitty about it that I, in the beginning of thinking, even entertaining the thought of someone new, it was always, it's not going to be him. And the person that you're with after that person is always going to be feeling like they're competing with someone who is no longer with us. So it's like, there's no competition. It's not like the crazy ex-boyfriend who, you know, is now a dirt bag, whatever. You know, Zach, my husband, it's such a testament to the person that he is. He's so confident and that I could only have ended up with somebody like this because he was not competing with a dead man. He was competing to be the best man that could possibly be in my life for me. And he came in with 
so much humility and so much grace. And he let me have my breakdowns and he didn't take it as a personal sign of him failing or not being good enough. He just was smart enough and intuitive enough enough to know this person is hurting and this person is grieving. It doesn't, it's not, she's not comparing the two of us. I mean, yes, there were moments I did. I am human, but he never, ever, ever took it there. And if he did, it was all internal. But what I will say, and this is the really beautiful part about losing someone that you are in love with, that not that came out the wrong way. This is the silver lining. We're with you. (laughs) So, you know, Matt passed away and it's devastating and it's heartbreaking and you feel like the world has crumbled into a million pieces and you can no longer see color. It's this weird lens that you have. It's depression, essentially. And the amazing part about finding the next right person is that you almost don't have to think about it or know or consider if that's the right person. For me, it was an automatic this person is lifting this veil for me. This person is making me feel alive again. This person is making me feel loved again. This person is doing something that I, it's completely out of my control. And I felt like it was a little piece of Matt being like, this is this wonderful human who wants to make the world beautiful for you again. And that is exactly what happened. It wasn't a romantic like fairy tale. We had some dark shit. Okay. We went through the trenches together, but you also aren't going to put up with bullshit after that. After that experience, I saw a million different opportunities of directions that my life could go in with my next partner. But I was in a place of being like, I was a savage. I was not going to put up with anything. Like I was not going to be treated like anything other than precious. Cause at the point that I was at, I was precious. I was very, very fragile and I needed to be treated like, like such. And so the person that came into my life who was able to do that and made me feel amazing was Zach and it, and it worked out and he didn't necessarily have to be my forever person afterward, but he, it, it was a really easy opportunity to see like what I deserve next. I love that. And I am shamelessly probably 10,000 of the 4 million views on your YouTube video marrying him. <laughs> and I'm so excited for you getting married. Holy oh, shit. Thank you. My mom told me, she was like, you have to tell Becca today that we are obsessed with her whole look, the emerald earrings, <laughs> the dress. So that's from my mom who's oh, listening probably now. <laughs> mom. Oh my God. It was so stressful. The thought of like, well, how, what do you wear on the freaking wedding day. Killed it. And also Max is certifiably going to be bald possibly before the wedding. And you're my inspo for I can marry a hunky bald man. Guess what? (laughs) You know what? June Diane Raphael, you know, she's married to Paul Shear. They're both brilliant comedians, but she was on Lady Gang and she called him her bald king. Oh my God. I love that. Ever since then, I'm like, he's my bald king. And so I, I just, I've totally stolen it from her and you can now (laughs) steal it from me. Oh my God, I'm dying. Yes, Max will be my bald king when when the time comes, which honestly, yeah, like I said, I don't know. It could be before the wedding. It could not be. Becca, thank you so much. I mean, everything, like for people who came here, like, oh, who is she interviewing today? And I was saying in the beginning, this girl's so freaking cool. They're ending like, yeah, I know. I'm obsessed with her too. <laughs> you actually just shined a light on my most, my best parts. <laughs> oh, so thank, you. thank you. I think the very last thing I just want to quickly touch on is, 
how you transitioned from your career as an actress to the Lady Gang and now obviously on Turner and Hooch. So dabbling back on screen. But what can you say about the various times in our careers where things are going to evolve and that growth phase might be scary? I honestly feel like I'm in one now. So it's a selfish question. (laughs) Well, somebody in the years of Lady Gang, I wish I could remember who this person is. And I am so sad that I can't because I always talk about this. They said that it might've been me talking about therapy now that I remember, but someone said to me, instead of making a list and having goals. Like I always laugh at Kelty because she has her manifestation list of every year. And I just felt to me, it was just too concrete. It was too much pressure. It was because if I mapped out my life when I was 20 years old, it would never have been as magical as it's been now. So I feel like I would have been doing a disservice to myself to have mapped it out. I wouldn't have even dreamed as large as I have. I feel like I've been so grateful to have gotten to. But here's what I do now. And I think this is what I do anytime I'm questioning something. I follow a feeling. And so when I stopped Glee, I just felt like I have to get on another TV show. I have to have this camaraderie and this, I love going to work every day and having a family. And I have to have this, the things that I loved about that job had absolutely nothing to do with it being on a TV show or walking red carpets. And it's a little bit of like what you went through with your Aaron Andrews moment. It was the things that I was going to miss about that show were the relationships and the feeling of closeness and the joy that I felt every day going to work. So now when I manifest whatever the next step is, I don't judge what the thing is. I just put out there. I want to feel these feelings. I want to feel inspired. I want to feel camaraderie. I want to feel challenged, but I also want to feel secure and confident. So I know it sounds crazy, but if you just kind of wrap yourself around those feelings of achieving whatever that is, next step is, next phase is, every day for the most part, those are the feelings that I want to feel. It's going to be weird, but the thing that, that presents itself to you, it may not be on paper what you thought was next, but it may encapsulate all those things that you were searching for. Oh, I love that. That's going to be my goal for this week is to think about the feelings and they're already coming to mind. Like I love feeling creative when I have an amazing idea for a TikTok and I get to execute it. And I love feeling like I'm super connected with my followers and my audience. Like, you know, I think I'm currently struggling with the mechanism at which I do those things, which is talking about things that happened a few years ago that I no longer want to talk about. So I'm like in that, how do I pivot to who I am now, which is I'm not a volleyball player. I'm not depressed. I'm getting married, you know, but then I'm like, that's not why everyone came here. So that's my growth right now. (laughs) But I think that that's, that's just people who follow you. Like you may have resonated with them because they were going through, they were struggling with mental health as well, or they were in college sports or like the reasons that people connected with you are not just one dimensional. Like you're, you're a whole fully, fully dimensional person. And I think that if you overthink it too much, this is my unsolicited advice. So take it or leave it. (laughs) Tell me anything. I will, I will do anything you say. No, don't do that. No, but I think if don't overthink it, you're in a place in your life that you're happy and you're excited. Lean in people. People like to see that you're a different, you can be a different person from day to day to day. It's just who you are. And if they don't like seeing you happy, then fuck them. Those aren't the followers that you want right now. Do you want to hear the funniest thing ever? So I'm, I'm obviously, like we said, getting married and I have 
this is my one year. I was talking about Max with this because I was like, I want to dive headfirst into wedding content. I'm, obs- I'm, I'm excited. I'm obsessed. I have one year to ever do this in my life. So one episode a few weeks ago, I do a 20 minute intro on my venue before an interview. I get a, I get a negative review. I really hope this doesn't turn into the wedding show. Ugh. And I'm like, just don't listen to that episode. Yeah. Or fast forward. I literally in the episode said, if you don't like this, fast forward. And someone still went and left a negative review. Listen, the negative people, for whatever reason, they always have the most time to write reviews. But <laughs> I promise you, the people that loved your wedding venue conversation largely outnumber that one angry person with too much time on their hands. So if that person doesn't want to hear about your wedding, for whatever reason, God bless you. Move on. Thank you for your support over the years. But this is the me. And you're not going to dictate what I'm going to share and who I'm going to be moving forward. So you know, don't completely abandon the person that these people fell right. in love with, but you're not going to because you're not a character. You're a real human. For sure. And that's the thing too, is like, it, to me, I'm like, it's one episode. I didn't even dedicate the whole episode to it. Like I was self-aware enough to know <laughs> it should only be a portion of the episode. You're right. Like, and I totally am taking that to heart. And I think it's so true. And it's like the kick that I need to just, you know, I was looking at a girl the other day who posted one month being engaged to you. I haven't posted an engagement photo since the engagement because I'm so terrified of being that girl who like people see just keeps posting her engagement. But then I'm like, to the point where now, Victoria, you haven't posted about it and the time has passed and it's never coming again. Do you know how <laughs> you can get around this? This is what I would do. And this is my brand and it can be yours or it can't. I love a disclaimer because you're very self-aware. Yeah. And I think it's great when people are like, hey, this is your opportunity to unfollow me if you hate love and you hate weddings. Like, I know I'm going to be super annoying and I'm going to be so over the top, but like, this is it for me. You know, like, like, acknowledge it. That's so true. I literally actually just wrote, as you were saying that I was, I wrote down engagement real post. And maybe I'll post it today and be like, you know what? I want to post another photo because I can. Yeah. <laughs> and if, I'm sorry if you're going through a shitty breakup, like, you know, and, and you also have to have some empathy for those people who, you know, I did a whole episode on the single girl's guide to living there you go. a month after my engagement. I feel like I'm <laughs> I'm so there for everyone because <laughs> you're amazing at what you do. I'm very I, I'm blown away by you. I really am. Oh, thank you. And I like I like I said, I'm like so upset. I mean, I still always have to say Kelty is my number one, you know, because oh, yeah, Kelty will, will let it be another way. I'm secure um, enough to hear that. But I literally, I love you. I think you're the coolest big lady gang fan. Thank you so, so much. If you are still in LA, I'd say I want to like take you to coffee, but you're also living my dream, which is grab a group and move out of California. But thank you so, so much. You are just, you are wonderful. This was so inspiring for me. This conversation, I think really is going to change how, I think the path of my life, right? Because I'm going to reflect on a lot of things that we discussed. So Thank you for coming and thank you for Victoria, being so open. You're so amazing. And I'm sorry for rambling, everybody. But no, at least we were was... talking about sad things and not weddings. <laughs> Come ramble anytime. And the sad <laughs> things were my favorite part. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Real Pod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of Real Pod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or a review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. 
I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week, seeing behind-the-scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.